Hey, patrons, welcome to your bonus podcast. Uh, Alexander Blake is here joining me. Thanks again for joining me, Alex. Thank you. Hello. Um, I We didn't talk at all about... Well, we talk. I mean, your work, all this work with tonality is you as a musician, but we didn't really talk about where, like, your personal musical inspiration came from. Were you always a musical person? This is, as I'm saying that, I know it's probably like an obvious answer, but maybe there's a little more to it than yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I yes, I, I was always involved in music. I don't think I always recognized that I was going to be a musician professionally. Like I said, you know, a little earlier, I grew up in North Carolina. My first musical experiences were in church. And I was the weird kid who sang in the adult choir because I always loved singing harmonies. Mm. Um, and my church had, you know, kind of a small little like music program, but I just, I just loved it. And then I joined middle school and, you know, got my first kind of lessons in sight reading. And I don't know, to me, it just clicked music is math to me. I know some people hate that phrase, but um, it just tends to make sense in that same way. And I say that because I almost majored in math. Mm. And so there's a summer program called North Carolina Governor's School, and they you can go in a number of subjects. And so I was going to go for math as I was going to major in math the summer before my senior year uh, of high school. And then I was asked a week later if I wanted to go on music. And I said, well, if I'm going to do math for the rest of my life, I might as well do one more summer in music. And again, I'm coming from a small town, so I knew I had some musical gifts, but I was thinking, you know, sure, for the, like, 30 people I'm in class with. Mm -hmm. um, but I went to this, you know, statewide program and realized that, you know, some of the things that I had excelled in in my own environment, uh, that was continuing, you know. And I was like, oh, maybe I do have musical gifts, and it's not just, you know, for my limited space. And then I took the AP Music Theory exam. This is my. This was the moment that I think my family was sold. We didn't have the class at my high school, and so my thought was, I'll take the test and fail it, but at least I'll know what I know. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I ended up getting a five on the test. And wait, a five out of five. A five. Wait, a five out of five. Or yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, which is you know the grade that you would need to test out of theory in college. And so that was kind of, cause no one knew how that happened to this day. So I don't know how that happened, but that was kind of the, the push that my parents were like, okay, you're weird, but this is clearly for you. <laughs> so you should try it. Oh, uh, that's great that you had like uh, parental support encouragement for doing music. Cause you know, a lot of people don't have that. Well, I think it took, you know, something like a, you know, doing well on a test that I had not, you know, studied for. But I would also say, and again, not to go off on a rant, but, you know, we talk about classical music and other types of music and how they're, you know, prioritized and valued. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that my gospel training and really the rote understanding of harmonies and feeling that intrinsically before learning what they were called has helped advance, you know, my oral skills and my understanding of theory. Um, I'll just leave it there. I can go on a tangent about that, but that really makes sense. <laughs> it's, my my early music training was a little scattered. Like I taught myself to play the piano, and then I got a piano teacher who was like, "Oh, <laughs> you're a mess <laughs> with like certain things." But I could get through like more advanced music 
badly. Like I, like I had terrible technique and all that kind of stuff. She was, I'm, I'm already going on too much about this. She was trying to reel me back and I was in middle school and I was like, ugh, embarrassed to play the really easy songs she was giving me. And ultimately I didn't have a teacher. Like she called my mom and was like, he's not practicing, blah, blah. My mom's like, what do you mean he's not practicing? Uh, yeah. So, but I continued playing and then, you know, ultimately went to school for music in college, but I didn't have any theory background. Like, cause I had just sort of figured out, found my own way. Um, and you know, when I look at, or, you know, uh, gospel musicians, all of that harmony is still like, even after going to college for school <laughs> for music, there's a lot that's lost on me because I just didn't have that type of training. So uh, all that is to like back you up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, you know, again, in the past year and I'll be brief, but just in my own understanding as a classical musician who grew up with that background, I realized through my own experience, all the advantages of having both. Mm-hmm. And I feel like our system is not exactly set up in a way to value both and to take the benefits. Um, you know, classical sight reading is king. And so you are valued or told otherwise based on your ability to learn in this style. Meanwhile, there's so many gifts that you get from other experiences. And because of who is at the head of a lot of these programs and the experiences that they have, the lack of the experience becomes the devaluing of that experience. Mm. Um, And it really, again, starts to teach people indirectly on the best case scenario, directly in some of the worst case scenarios, of how they are seen as musicians in our field. Mm. There's a slight tangent, uh, but (laughs) sort of like uh, uh, related. Are you familiar at all with the composer Molly Joyce? She's someone that I had on the show a while ago. Um, She she has a disability. Her her arm, she had an injury when she was a kid. Um, and she's a composer and she plays or do you know those like organs from the 70s, like chord organs that had like oh, right. six chord buttons? That's her instrument of choice because her left hand can handle those buttons and her right hand plays the organ. But she, we talked a lot about, um, uh, wait, why can't I think of the word for a musician that's really uh, virtu- virtuosity oh, right. and how like that in itself is, um, wait, I can't think of the words that I need today. Like virtu <laughs> Because she couldn't be like, you know, quote unquote, virtuosic because of her body, it it made her feel excluded from music. And a lot of her work has to do with like bringing people with disabilities into in the same way. Like, well, we just have, you know, like, does that music not have validity because she has an injury? Like, it it was a really interesting, I I love thinking about this kind of stuff because you know, go, go ahead. What were you about to say? Oh, no, sorry. Um, just, you know, certainly we can be more inclusive and accepting. And I would say too, the skills that I have from my gospel training are strengths. I mean, the things that I was able to do, the ways I was, the way I am able to create arrangements, you know, on the spot and the, the ways I'm able to, I mean, even dictation, you know, of classical pieces. I can do better because of my gospel training. Mm. Um, and the same way that I saw some of my classical friends struggle when it came to actual oral skills, because everything had been like sight first and then regurgitate as opposed to sound first and then evaluate, which to me 
I mean, like Bach didn't exist to write and then happen to like come up with music. <laughs> but he's like, he came with music and then wrote it down. <laughs> so yeah. it's just a funny time, you know, to think about how we access those skills. And it, the, that approach needs to be brought into how we're taught music. And it's not like, it's so interesting. And I was one of those people that really struggled. Like I still remember a sight reading test. I don't remember if it's my, my freshman or sophomore year where I was with like, we had to like sight sing individually and I bombed it. Like, and the, my teacher even gave me a second chance. And for what, like I wasn't this bad at sight reading, but I still wasn't that strong, but I like was horrible. And I remember his face, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like that was not good. Like he couldn't pass me. Like there was no way, but like, and it's partly cause I didn't have any, any of that background until I got to school. And that was really just, you know, uh, very basic sight readings to begin with. Like when we got to all those harmonies and stuff, it was a real struggle. And it, and I would have liked to have had some more background, like what you had with, with your gospel training. Well, yeah, I think too, you know, if people approached learning sight reading in theory from this other way, <laughs> I think a lot more people would find it more accessible. Like, what do you hear? You know that harmony because you've heard it. As opposed to like, this is a five chord. Let's talk about it. Like, what, what, is, what is a five chord? <laughs> like, yeah. what does it mean outside of a context? Like, this is what it sounds like. Can you sing? Can you improvise over it? So you internalize it. And then from there, let's talk about what that means in the context of a piece. And I think then it has like an actual connection as opposed to this is the name. Now try to remember its relevance. Mm. I don't mean to upend the whole classical system. I just think that there is more room <laughs> um, and more diversity in ways that we can teach as well. And uh, I love this topic. I'm sort of glad we're going down this way. <laughs> but, I mean, there's a certain, a certain sense in and maybe I'm making this up. You probably have a better experience of this than I do. Like of, you know, my experience in college, like that hardcore, like classical scene might look at gospel musicians as not being as good or, you know, as that being sort of like not real music. That's like, so you're nodding. So I assume that I'm on, on the right track with that, which is yeah. backwards to how I would experience music. Yes. It's backwards to how they want to experience music. I mean, it's just funny. If you think about how many pieces of not just gospel music and not just black music, but, you know, Hindustani music, uh, there's there's so many, I'm just, I can name the many types of genres, or many types of music that do not follow the classical genre. And that way of learning that I think all singers including singers in academia are interested in, but people are hindered by their own lack of knowledge and their own threat of identity of not knowing. And of course, you know, it's academia. I feel like ironically <laughs> as students, we are very aware, very well aware of the fact that we don't know a lot and that's why we're there and taking mm -hmm. on many loans. <laughs> um, but that same type of comfort in not knowing stops at the student level sometimes. And then I think that's where we come into the issues where some of our higher ups, and I love, I'm a teacher, I love our teachers, but sometimes this lack of knowing then becomes a threatening situation of, I now need to devalue 
so that my knowledge becomes kind of the center of the conversation. Mm. Because I don't want to admit that there's something that I can't teach you. Yep. And if I can't teach it, then it must not be important. And the more that I can have that solidified systemically, uh, the better I feel and the, the more solid my, you know, my reputation is, which I know it sounds so harsh that I say that out loud, but coming from a musician who had to learn the classical way, but is still very, you know, entrenched personally in those genres that were seen as different, it becomes a real struggle. And, you know, talking to many singers of color who have had to go through, had to, chose to go through, uh, you know, classical training, advanced studies, that type of inner dialogue of what we're told about ourselves through the ways that we have to learn music, including the music that reflects us. And what we know from our own identity is a constant struggle. Mm. The, uh, I love, every, sometimes with these conversations, this is one of them. I'm like, oh, this is going to be only for patrons to hear this. Because <laughs> yeah. this is good. I think this is a good conversation. Um, uh, well, we should wrap this one up. I can always tell like in the summertime when I'm like getting to the end of recording time because I turn off my air conditioner and I'm starting to sweat. I'm like, oh, it must, right. be, about, must be about time. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's been so great to talk to you. Thanks for joining me on both podcasts. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me again. This has been great. Cool. All right. So I'll um I'll send you info when this goes up. I'll me I'll get it finished up because I'm actually going to be going out of town like a couple days before the twentieth. So I'm going to get this all ready to go. So it'll just publish automatically on that Friday. But I'll email you, make sure you and Amanda both have the info. Great. Thank you. I, that's so funny. I did not. I didn't know that was where that was going either. But it's great. Um, I've yeah. been having conversations all year. Maybe not so directly, but all year about. You know, so many universities have been calling on me to have these conversations, and I always have to gauge, like, are you really ready to hear, you know, the ways that you're standing in the way of the progression you seek? Yeah, like, yeah, even without any of that, you know, involved, when I was, I, I didn't finish my undergrad I went to community college for a couple of years and I loved it because I was working with working musicians were teaching me. And then I went to like University of Houston and I like, I felt shitty the whole time. Like I always had this sense of like, there was some mystery that they weren't really telling me about. You know, like I was, I was a piano major and there would be moments I was like, well, tell me like my, my professor would be like, you can't play Beethoven like this, but he never really was like, here's what you do, or here's how I know that, you know, like, so it already felt like there was, there were things being kept from me in this weird, like, you know, ivory tower-ish feeling of like, that I haven't experienced as a musician any other place. Yeah. And so, I mean, that by itself, I mean, I think so many people who do not come from that kind of a classical vein feel that way. We are expected to know things that we're not even taught, <laughs> um, let alone like, you know, challenge for the things, the questions that we have. And I mean, I don't go into much of my doctoral experience, but it, the more questions I started to ask on this realm, as I'm starting to learn more about myself and what I'm seeing, the harder my program got. And it was a very rough exit. Oh, uh, wow. Because you, you didn't just... Like, no, except what they teachers, were handing you. Exactly. And I was just like, 
well, how do I accept it when like I have to be me at the end of the day? <laughs> um, and what, what I know and what I've experienced and what I value and self-worth really kind of prevented me from just saying, I can, I can take all of this in. I mean, going to a choral class and having, again, spending so much time on a Bach cantata, which I love Bach, by the way. I just use him because it's easy. Um, but we're doing a piece based on kind of a Jamaican accent. And one of the students says, well, we should use the accent like from Sebastian the Crab and the Little Mermaid. Mm. My dad's Jamaican. <laughs> I was just like, could you imagine that there was like some German accent speaking crab? And someone said when we were learning Bach, oh, we should use this cartoon character. Oh, yeah. And then that statement just kind of came and went and no one said anything. I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> that like that's an experience I don't like, have, right? And that's what it's really why having this type of conversation is valuable, you know, like, cause I can imagine, I mean, now I think I would know, like, no, (laughs) don't say that. But I think, you know, when I was in school, I, I probably would have gone right along with it because no one, everyone just act like that's how it is. And you know, something that's not white dude composed music is like some other thing. Like this is, this is, yeah, yeah. It's true. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, you know, that was just one of so many, my teacher, oh my gosh, he was talking about Martin Luther King and civil rights. And then he started talking about his experience on the playground being picked on as a kid. I was like, mm. sir, 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 please, please do not equate <laughs> Tommy messing with you on the seesaws to like systemic injustice and murder. I, like no one needs you to like say you understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's what we were talking about in the beginning of like, he was trying to find a way to make it about him and like, oh yeah, I went through this too. It was like, well, yeah, that's maybe like similar, but there's a whole, yeah, this it wasn't your entire experience of living in this society. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't name those, you know, specific situations, but like when I think about them sometimes it's like. Whew. And again, I had the awareness to like, tonality had formed, so I had a way to like combat that. I, it makes me feel for the students who had to sit there and just be like, what do I do with this? <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess there must be an experience for people too who don't even, are so used to being othered that they don't even realize it's happening. And don't just- even know and perpetuate Indirectly, you know, and I, I feel like for so long I did that, you know, and there's, there's guilt along with that. The more you become aware, the more you go back and be like, there are things that I could have said. There's a moment where student, when a teaching assistant said something insensitive, this still sticks to me and gives me chills every time I talk about it. Um, we were talking about Martin Luther King and our teacher said something really great about kind of the experience and you know how this music really speaks to issues that people still deal with and the ta said can we just sing something else half the class looked at me literally just turned because i was sitting on the edge and i will never forget that like people were just like alex <laughs> and at the time i didn't know what to say and i was just like it's not going to be helpful for me to just be mad and black in this space. So I didn't say anything. 
at the time. I eventually went up to a teacher, wrote him an email. He wrote me back a problematic email. I wrote him back, and then we eventually worked it out, and I talked to the class about it. But in that moment, I was just like, huh. Like you said, I think there are people who are just like, I don't know how to handle this. And it was a moment that like, I could have stepped up and said something. I didn't know what to say. I no longer let those moments happen where at least I don't say something, even if it's just to like burp and stop the conversation, <laughs> but just like, you know, just be like, uh, that I don't have words, but let's, let's talk about that. You know? Mm. Um, but I think, yeah. It's, and then, like you said, or the people who don't know, who don't even know that this is happening, but they know how they feel. Mm-hmm. They leave and then they enter other environments where it's more of the same until someone stops that. It just becomes more of this perpetuation of like, you are told who you are in really so many fields, but I just teach a classical music because that's where I am. You're told who you are and unless you or someone else stops the conversation, stops the system, stops the way the music is taught, it continues for you. It continues for the students who then also have to grow up and see like, I know I like this music. I know the types of conversations and the type of experiences, even not being black, just not growing up in this type of situation where you, you know, feel comfortable. I'm being told, I'm given messages that like, as much as I might like this music, this world might not be for me, but I'm tolerated. It's a, it's, it's, I mean, I don't have to tell you that's shitty. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, yeah, but then tonality, you know, it's just like, thank God at the time, awkwardly, that like the questions came about and the situations came about to start this group. And it's like, I can't change the whole world at one time. And I can't, to me, yelling and screaming alone is not going to help the situation. But I have an organization now that again, due to the events of last year, we're getting more attention. And now simply it's just, again, like with the deaf and hard of hearing community, here's a situation that we all can understand. We do not, we don't get as people who work in sound. Mm -hmm. So how do you engage with a group of people that you've never experienced or really even acknowledged? We get to do that work, and then through that, we get to show people, like, this is how you engage with experiences you don't know, as uncomfortable and as guilty, as frustrating as you might feel. Um, so it kind of, I don't know, I feel like this group allows me to kind of, like, go back to that frustrated person and just being like, we are creating something, so you don't have to deal with that, you know? Yeah. And like I think you said in the beginning when we first started talking that your tonality is sort of serving as an example of, like, this is what we could be doing. Like this is a like a picture of how we can all relate with each other differently. Yeah. Love it. Uh, so good. Can I use any of the? Because I told you I would stop recording. It's been recording, but I wasn't going to yeah, use yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Can you I use, use all that ending yeah. stuff too? Okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> it was so good. As you were talking, I was like, "Wait, <laughs> this is still good too." Yes. Oh, I love it. Uh, all right, I better wrap it up. Um, Thank you so much for the time. <laughs> yeah, you too. Um, I'm so excited to have learned about your work, and I'll be digging into it more myself. Great. Awesome. All right. Uh, take care of yourself. All right. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye.